He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thanks, Julia. Well, good morning. It's uh, great to, to be here with you this morning on this uh, <coughs> rather warm Sunday morning. Um, though that fan, I've got to say, is, uh, is pretty superb. Um, even on the edges of the room, it, um, it pumps out some, some air, it moves the air around, which is great. As it pumps out some heat. That's that not quite right. Um, yeah, we have to, have, have to get one of those for the hub, I reckon. I think they're uh, only several thousand dollars or something. Something like that. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm Jono. Um, I pastor the uh, Harrington Park Congregation and I'm the senior minister for our parish. And it's a great delight for me to, uh, to come across here and, and, um, and share with you this morning. I'm usually with, with the Harrington Park Congregation, uh, but this morning Gav and I are doing a, a kind of swap um, and so to help each other out. And it's um, great to, to be here. Uh, Gav and I and, uh, work on the same staff team together with Ben and, and uh, Kate and Sally and Dan. And uh, so I often hear about what's going on at, uh, at Gregory Hills, uh, but it's great to, to actually be here and to, to be with you. Uh, I hear that the, uh, the five-year anniversary was a great, uh, great celebration and a great time. And uh, I'm, really, I'm really excited about what God has done over these past five years uh, with our Gregory Hills uh, Church. And uh, really looking forward to, to what God has in store for us in uh, the year and years ahead. Uh, now, um, <clears throat> I think Brenda mentioned there's an important update letter. Please grab a copy of that and, uh, and have a read of that. Some of the things that have happened this year, looking into next year, where we're up to and where we're going. So, I'll, yeah, I commend that to you. Let's pray uh, before we dig into this uh, second half of Ephesians 2. Uh, our Father, we thank you for your word. We, we thank you for this time this morning. We ask that you'd help us. Please speak to us. Please give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that, that are ready to respond to you and take your word to heart. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are greatly blessed uh, to live in this uh, great country of Australia. That's uh, true in all sorts of ways. And uh, we, I mean, we've seen that throughout this, this past year as I think Australia has fared better than most countries. Uh, we're blessed in many ways, including the fact that we enjoy a high level of stability and peace, uh, which is increasingly not the case in, in other parts of the Western world. I mean, consider the turmoil that's been brewing uh, in the US in, uh, in recent months and years, and not just the US, but many parts of, of the world. There's political tensions, there's hostility and even war. Uh, some parts of the world, the conflict and the war has been going on for so long that uh, the media has really given up on reporting on it because it's just, it's just old news. We have to say our world is ravaged not only by a pandemic currently and all its associated effects, but it's, it's ravaged by ongoing conflict and war. I mean, places such as Afghanistan and Mexico and Yemen and Syria and Somalia, Nigeria, Iraq, South Sudan, it, the list just goes on and on. 
and peace eludes many. Now, closer to home, whilst we do enjoy a a high level of uh, political peace and stability, we're no strangers to other types of conflict and tension and division. They're often around, they're often with us in life. I mean, you might think back on the past week and and think of conflicts and, and, and divisions that you've been caught up in on a, on a smaller scale. Sometimes the conflicts, the divisions can, can come from differences that, that divide us. It may be that there's barriers and that, uh, that divide us. It might be differences in age or cultural background, uh, differences in gender or language or wealth or occupation or social group or family stage or all sorts of differences can divide us and create barriers in relationships and peace eludes us. We need peace. We want peace. I think that's something that we all, we, we long for peace. And not just the, the absence of conflicts, but actually having a peaceful life where things just work well, where there's harmony, where, where things at work, at home, at church, in our families, where people get on well with one another and we enjoy peace, where things just run smoothly. I think also sometimes in our our frantic, fast-paced world, we just want a bit of peace and quiet. Maybe five minutes of of peace. Uh, Maybe it's the serenity of sitting outside on a cool summer evening, as we hope it may be this evening, although we're technically still in spring, aren't we? But you get my point. Sitting outside, watching a sunset with a cool drink and the breeze blowing, and we just enjoy peace. I mean, even just the word peace, it's such a great word. We live in this world that's torn by division and conflict, by stress, anxiety, pain, and we crave peace. This part of God's Word this morning speaks of the peace of God that He has brought to this world. Peace that comes, well, in the face of a world that is otherwise facing conflict and division. And it's a peace like no other that can cut through even the greatest hostilities, the greatest divisions. And this is something we can have, this is something we can know, this is something that we can hold out to other people. And I hope that that as we look at this part of Ephesians 2, that this will provide something really of a foundation for us or perhaps a reminder of the foundation that we have. Paul writes to the uh, church in Ephesus and the surrounding area of Asia Minor and in chapter 2 here he refers to well, he refers to what is one of the greatest divisions and, and uh, sources of hostility in the world at that time. And that is the division between Jew and Gentile. And he says to these Gentile Christians, as he writes to, to remind them of what an incredible thing it is that God has done for them, he says, remember what you were and realize what an incredible thing it is that Christ has done. And I want us to see what he says, because this will shine a light for us too. He he says there in verse 11, Remember, you were Gentiles by birth. Now, the the nation of Israel, the Jews, they were God's chosen people. And if you were born outside of that nation, then you were by definition a Gentile, a non-Jew. And and the division between those two groups is seen in in lots of ways, including in the the name calling that that Paul refers to here, those called the circumcision and those called uncircumcised. Now, circumcision for Old Testament Israel was a uh, a particular sign that that God gave them, uh, that they were His people. 
And it seems that uh, there were some people who were boasting in that and called themselves the circumcision, which we might think is a bit of a strange title to, uh, perhaps in somewhat embarrassing title to give yourself, to say, I am the circumcision, but they're part of this group and they looked down on these other people who they called uncircumcised, these Gentiles. So there's this great divide between these two groups. And Paul says, remember that as Gentiles, you were, verse 12, separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenant of the promise without hope and without God in the world. You're on the outside. You were outside of God's promises without Christ, without hope, without God. Now, that's it. If you think about it, I think that's a fairly reasonable description of our world at large. Without Christ, people are lost. They're caught in hostility, they're without hope, alienated from one another, alienated from God. That is a picture of our world. And Paul says, remember, that's what you were. It seems kind of brutal, him sort of making this point. Remember, you were were outsiders, you were no-hopers, you were excluded. And Paul wants them to to remember, uh, not to rub it in their faces, but so that they would would then see the extraordinary transformation that's taken place. And so he says in verse, um, sorry, verse 13, he says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What a transformation from, from being excluded to being brought near, brought near to God. Now, Perhaps the magnitude of that is, is somewhat lost on us. It's hard for us to kind of get a, a, a grasp of, of what a significant divide that was. But just to give you a bit of an idea of what a big deal it was, back in the time of Jesus, the, the temple in Jerusalem had a series of courtyards. Here's a, a diagram uh, um, of it. And so the, the outermost courtyard was called the courtyard of the Gentiles. Anyone could go there. But the inner courtyards was where only the Jews could go. And between these courtyards, there were signs that made it very clear where the Gentiles could and couldn't go. Um, Archaeologists have have discovered one of these signs, which when you translate it, it reads, no foreigner is to enter within the forecourt and the balustrade around the sanctuary. Whoever is caught will have himself to blame for his subsequent death. That's a pretty clear, you're not welcome sign. Kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and you see those trespassers will be prosecuted signs. As a young child, I didn't know what the word prosecuted meant and I was greatly relieved to discover that it, was, that it didn't mean executed, that there's a difference between those two. But this is actually a trespassers will be executed sign. Such was the divide between Jew and Gentile. Gentiles were excluded from access to God and His temple, physically separated, which, which symbolically represented the, the spiritual status and separation. They had no access, they were cut off. But now, because of Jesus, Gentiles, which includes most of us, have been brought near. We can approach God with confidence. We can relate to God trusting Him as our Heavenly Father, having been lavished with every spiritual blessing in Christ, as it talks about in chapter 1. Or as Hebrews 10 verse 22 says, we can draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed 
with pure water. We can draw near to God. We've been, as verse 13 says, brought near by the blood of Christ, by Jesus' sacrificial death in our place as he took our punishment for our sin upon himself and so removed that barrier that, that, that kept us far off from God. Which means for us, as for the Ephesians, it means a transformation from hostility to peace, fundamentally to peace with God, but also peace with one another. See, if we long for peace, it's found in Jesus. He himself, verse 14 says, is our peace. As he destroyed the, the barriers that divide us, the, the dividing wall of hostility, verse 14 says. Now, for the Jew and Gentile, one form of that barrier that divided them was, well, it's not just the literal wall around the temple, but the Jewish law with its rules, its regulations, its condemnation of sin. It stood as a barrier dividing Jew from Gentile, insider from outsider. But Jesus destroyed the wall. He removed the law as the basis of relationship with God. And so the way is open for both Jew and Gentile alike. And that restoration of the, the vertical dimension between us and God by the blood of Jesus, it must also restore the horizontal dimension, the relationship between one another. As two people now both are at peace with God, verse 18 says, both have access to the Father by the one Spirit. They can also be at peace, they must also be at peace with one another. The cross of Christ, which reconciles us to God, stands above and any division that we can set up. It stands above it and it destroys it. As we're united with God and reconciled with Him, then we're also united and reconciled with one another. Uh, 17th century Puritan Thomas Watson put it this way. He said, Christ died not only to make peace between God and man, but between man and man. Christ suffered on the cross that he might cement Christians together with his blood. As he prayed for peace, so he paid for peace. We're reconciled with God and with one another by the blood of Christ. And that, that transformation from hostility to peace, that is nothing short of a new creation. As uh, Paul continues halfway through verse 15, he says his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. So Christ's purpose was to, was to create a new humanity, one body. No longer Jew and Gentile. No longer rich or poor, black or white, Camden or Campbelltown, Harrington Park or Gregory Hills, married or single, kids or no kids or any other kind of divide that, that we might set up or imagine. And we might consider whether perhaps in practice we do set up divisions, maybe even inadvertently. Do we tend to just talk to people who are like us or spend time with or invite people over who, who are the same age and life stage as us and in, and in practice do we exclude people who are different? See, there's no place for us and them in the body of Christ. 
God's purpose was to create one new humanity, brought near to one another and brought near to God. Any differences that we may have with others, and of course we, have, we will have differences. Differences are part of what makes us who we are. But any, our differences must not be a barrier, something that divides us or creates hostility in our minds or in our actions. I don't know how you think about yourself in relation to others. I mean, think, think with me for a moment. Is there anyone here in this room that you would, you know, feel free to look around if you like, maybe don't point at anyone, but is there anyone that you think that you're, well, you're kind of more important than them? Of course you think, oh no, of course I wouldn't think that. Well, well turn it around the other way. Is there anyone as you look around and you think, well, I'm, I'm not as important as, as them? If you answer yes to either of those questions, then you need to be reminded of this message that Jesus died to save you and Jesus died to save them. You are equal before God as one new person, both with access to the Father by one Spirit. We're a new creation. But not only that, Paul continues and, and, and says that Christ is making us into a new temple. So verse 21 says, In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. That's astounding. We're, we're like bricks that, which Christ has chosen and has joined together to form his people, his building, his temple in which he lives by his spirit. That's a, that's a powerful image, isn't it? From being far off, excluded, separated from God by the wall of our sin to being brought near, being cleansed by the blood of Christ and forgiven and, and recreated and made to be not just kind of hanging around the edges but actually made to be part of the dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. God dwelling with us, God dwelling in us, that's an extraordinary thing. What an amazing privilege we have in Christ. I think it's called to remember what you were Remember what God has done for you and in you through Christ. It's a wonderful thing as it lifts our eyes to God. It's a message we need to hear. It's a message we need to be reminded of. It's a message that our world needs to hear. That this is actually where true peace is found. I mean, people can have peace talks and peacekeeping forces and international conferences and agreements and, or on a small scale, mediation and counselling but people need more than that. They need recreating. They need reconciling firstly with God through Jesus and he died to achieve that. And they need to know the reconciliation and forgiveness with others that that brings. It's only in Christ that the dividing walls of hostility can be brought down that we can know true peace. There's a, um, a biography of a woman called uh, Kathy Doisy uh, by Kel Richards and, and the, the uh, biography is called Forgiving Hitler which is a provocative title but this, uh, this woman suffered greatly under the Nazi regime and she survived and her life is this incredible testimony to the power of Christ to bring peace to this woman who suffered greatly such profound evil and suffering 
Christ gave her peace. Now, that's not to say that, that forgiveness is simple. Often it's not simple. It's not to say that reconciliation with others is always possible. There's, there is a distinction between a willingness to forgive and, uh, and actually being able to be reconciled. That depends on the, uh, the acceptance and repentance of the other, other person. But Christ's peace is an even greater force than the evils of this world. It's a message our world needs to hear, that true peace is, is found only in Jesus as he reconciles us with God and reconciles us with one another. And that, that foundation of peace, as, it's, as Paul elaborates in, in the end of uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians, this one humanity, this one building, that, that really underlies what living as a follower of Jesus is. This is the foundation of being a community of followers of Jesus. We're going to read on in the coming weeks into the rest of Ephesians and, and we'll see that, how it, it builds on this foundation. Uh, for example, just to give you a sneak preview, over in chapter 4, verse 2, this is why we're to be completely humble, verse 2, and, and uh, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Or further on in, in chapter 4, verse 16, this is why we're to, to grow and build up the body of Christ as each part does its work. Or why, it's, why we're to be the new creation in, in uh, verse 22, to put off the old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Uh, this foundation is, is why we're to, for verse 25, to put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members, notice, of one body. Or it's why in verse 32 of chapter 4, we're to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So this is the foundation of life as a community of followers of Jesus. So brothers and sisters, remember what you were once far off. Remember who you are in Christ, that you've been brought near through the cross, created to be one new people, one new holy temple, in which God dwells by His Spirit. Remember that. Marvel at that. Live in that. And don't try to, to bring to life any of the divisions or hostilities that Christ has already put to death. I wonder if by way of applica um, implication that means that, that we, should, we should actively work against any divisions that we might otherwise hang on to. Uh, I think it's, it's not uncommon uh, for cliques to form in churches uh, and we ought to proactively guard against that that happening uh, which is tricky because we can we naturally find that that we can find it easier to hang with certain people uh, we we may even become good friends with some people and, and sometimes our structures actually kind of enable this in some ways we tend to to be become closer to those that we're in growth groups with for example but we need to be careful that a group of friends doesn't become a clique, uh, which happens when the group of friends is prioritised at the expense of others in the church, when others are excluded. I, I have no idea whether that's a, a, a danger with, with Gregory Hills or not. I know that it's common in churches for cliques to form. And we ought to make sure our intention is always to be outward, to include uh, others as we're able to do so. And just to be aware of, of not allowing differences to divide us because Christ has created us to be one new people, one holy people, at peace with God and at peace with one another.
Let's pray. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace to us in Jesus. We thank you that though we were far off in our sin, separated from you, that you have brought us near through the blood of Christ, that you have given us peace with you and with one another. Father, may we know, may we remember what an incredible thing that is. And Father, if there are divisions or hostilities that we're hanging on to, Father, please enable us, please help us to let them go, to, to bring them to the cross, to know the peace and reconciliation that Christ has won for us and to put to death those divisions and hostilities. Father, we thank you that you have given us an enormous privilege of being your people. We thank you that you are with us, that you are dwelling in us through your Spirit. And Father, please use us to hold out that message of peace to others also. We pray that, that many in our community will come to know the peace that only Jesus can bring. Peace with you and peace with one another. And we ask this in his name and for his glory. Amen.